Good morning, everyone. Well, the first reading today is Ruth, chapter 2. And you can find that in the Bible on pages 267 and continuing. Now, Naomi, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. Sorry, I've just pushed the wrong knob. I'll start again. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elemic, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was the, from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Noemi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz, Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work with me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, she offered her some roasted grain. She ate it, all she wanted, and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one place whose, one whose place she had been working. 
The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Thank you, Heather. Uh, Let's uh, pray as we begin. Father, we thank you uh, for this story. Uh, We thank you for the the beautiful story that it is. Uh, But we pray, Lord, you wouldn't simply help us to understand what it means, but actually how it points us forward to your greater story of your dealing in the world. Amen. Now that, chapter two, on the face of it, 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 it's a bit of a funny verse to start with. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. I mean, and, like, what, what difference does that make to the story? I mean, there's, you've got a relative called Boaz, lovely. But obviously, that, that's not quite uh, why the author's writing that. So they're just sort of signposting, saying, just, just watch out. There's this man called Boaz who's of Naomi's family. Just watch out for him. It, it might be uh, significant. And then, verse 2, we kind of jump back into the story. And we have this conversation between, notice, Ruth the Moabite, verse 2, and Naomi. And Ruth says, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. In other words, she's saying, look, can I go and get us some food? Because it was a practice in the day. It was commended and commanded in Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 24, that the poor of the land could go behind the harvesters and collect kind of what they didn't take, and sort of pick up the, the scraps, if you will. It was a way of providing food for them, sustenance, but also actually it was a way of them working as well. It was doing both uh, of those things. Uh, so she goes, and then says, yeah, good idea, off you go. Uh, and then we get this wonderful, wonderful verse three. So she went out and entered the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, just by chance, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. This sort of chance encounter. Remember the Boaz? Again, look up at Boaz and here it is. Boaz, the clan of Elimelech. It's just a a beautiful little picture of the, the quiet hand of the Lord. As Nick mentioned last week, in this whole book, uh, the Lord is not mentioned explicitly as doing anything. His name is talked about, but it never says the Lord did this. But yet you can see his quiet hand behind it all. The quiet hand that's leading and guiding. 
it just turned out she went to Boaz's fields. And then, verse 4, Boaz enters stage left. And he's somebody who straight away, we're, we're sort of told, is, is someone who puts the Lord at the center of his life. Not because we're told that explicitly, but because of how he acts. Verse 4, the first thing he said is, the Lord be with you. And they answer him, the Lord bless you. Boaz is meant to be somebody who's being shown to be a, a godly man. Not just a godly man, actually, a man who the employees like. He's seen as a good boss. They have that good relationship. Uh, and then he, he notices Ruth, verse 5. Uh, he says, oh, who does that young woman belong to? Now, now to us, that sounds slightly derogatory, um, but, but it's not that at all. It's not him scheming or being mean. Actually, it's a real concerning question. What he's really asking is, who's looking after her? Who's responsible for her? Because she's somebody who is a, a woman. So he's straight away wondering, a young woman, she'd be uh, uh, very vulnerable. Uh, and then she's told... Uh, sorry, uh, Boaz is told, look, she's the, the Moabite who's come with Naomi. He's told that she's the, the alien from a different land who's also a widow. And so he says, verse 8 to Ruth, uh, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. He's saying, look, don't go elsewhere. And just as a, a little thing, it, it could have been quite easy to wander into a different field. That uh, The fields then weren't kind of like, you know, nicely rowed of a hedgerow, and you kind of have to jump over a hedge to get into a different field. It would have been a field within a field, uh, marked off by a, a bunch of rocks. So in other words, you could have just easily just wandered into somebody else's field without almost knowing it. Uh, he's saying, no, stay in my field. He, he's caring for Ruth. He recognizes that she's a woman. She's a widow. She's a Moabite. That she's in a really, really vulnerable situation. He says, no, stay in this field. Stay with the women that work for me. I've told the men to not touch you, verse 9. If you want a drink, get a drink. He recognizes her state. And Ruth, in response, says, why, why are you showing me such kindness? And then we get verses 11 and 12. Uh, verse 12 in particular, he says, because actually, I, I know what you've done. I, I know that actually, now, verse 12, that you are someone who is taking refuge under the Lord's wings. That you've, you've left uh, the, the gods of Moab, Chemosh, uh, and now you're, you're seeking refuge under the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh himself that you're coming to him for refuge, picking up that, that beautiful language that we see in the prophets of the Lord being like a, a mother bird looking after her ducklings. But more than that, then Boaz doesn't just simply say that. He then acts upon it and he, he gives abundantly. He, he gives more and more. He lets Ruth take away from his grain 
He pours out her cup. He gives her more than she can possibly eat and have. And then she's able to go home and take it back to Naomi. And then Naomi asks and says, who was it, verse 19, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth said, the man's name was Boaz. And then uh, verse 20, uh, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, this man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our guardian redeemers. And when we read that verse, we, we, we first think, well, who, who is Naomi talking about? She's obviously talking about Boaz when she says the Lord bless him. But what about that second bit? He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. We might think that she's still talking about Boaz. It's kind of a continuation. But if she is, it doesn't quite make sense. The last bit, he says, that man is our close relative. Now, it's not Naomi talking about Boaz. This is Naomi talking about the Lord. Saying that the Lord blessed Boaz because the Lord has not stopped showing us kindness. The Lord has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. In other words, the whole family. And that word kindness is sort of bound up with God's love and goodness and faithfulness and grace and mercy. The Lord has been so kind. What a contrast to the last chapter, 120, when she said, call me Mara, the Lord is maybe bitter. What a contrast. And then she adds that last bit about a guardian redeemer, somebody who is part of the family, the extended family, who has the chance to, to buy back, to, to make right the situation. And we're going to see much more of that next week in chapter four. So we're not going to touch on it uh, much today. But Boaz is someone who can do that. And so Naomi tells Ruth to, to stay, to stay in the field. That's where you can protect it. And then uh, verse 23. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest is finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And then it's the end of the chapter. Now, of course, the, the chapters weren't written, you know, put in uh, to the original text. It's not that said, right, chapter one, chapter two. But you kind of, when you read it, it feels like the end of a chapter, if you're having a story, doesn't it? It's the end of the harvest, and we're sort of thinking, well, what, what's going to happen? Uh, Ruth is this, this godly, good lady. Uh, Boaz is this godly, good man. Uh, Ruth and, and Naomi are, are in need. They're vulnerable. Boaz is somebody who's shown that he can provide. What's going to happen next? They've probably been uh, talking to each other throughout these sort of six weeks or so of the harvest, having those eyes uh, glance across the field. But now the harvest is at the end. The the break is over. The holiday's at an end. What's going to happen next? Well, that's where we get to chapter three. So let's listen to that now. So Heather's going to come up and we're going to read uh, chapter 3, page 269 of the Bibles. 
as we continue. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, and don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Thank you, Heather. Now, of course, one of the, uh, the joys uh, of the internet is that people can share their funny stories. Their funny stories about things like marriage proposals. So here's a, here's a couple. Um, so there's, there's a marriage proposal for you. There's a way to make the flog... The flog? <laughs> The, uh, the log flume at Chessington, will you marry me? I don't know if that's funny or not, um, but um, not what I would choose to do. Um, but there's another one, that's a video that's been viewed 35 million times called Making the Movies Jealous, where some guy uh, made uh, a trailer of him chatting to his fiance or would-be fiance's dad, uh, and then it was the sort of one where it got played in the cinema where she was there. Uh, and it ends with him kind of you know, running into the cinema and then he runs into the cinema, that sort of thing. Um, you know, 
It's kind of hugely romantic gestures, which could go badly wrong, but um, <laughs> didn't in these cases, which is good. Um, but here, in chapter 3, we have a marriage proposal. But this is not your ordinary marriage proposal. In fact, it's one that you would say is probably not a wise thing to do. Uh, Naomi here tells Ruth, she says, uh, wash, put on some perfume, put on your your best clothes, Uh, go uh, lie down on the threshing floor and do whatever Boaz says. Now let's just just quickly backtrack a little bit. Uh, Freshing floor. Uh, That's the time when, having collected the harvest, they would go to a a, a bit of sort of uh, stone like this, usually at the top of a hill. They'd get their harvest, that sort of barley. They'd chuck it up in the air because there's a bit of a wind at the top of the hill. The heavy sort of actual harvest would fall to the ground and the chaff that you don't want disappears. It would also normally be done at night, Uh, both because it's the end of the day and, secondly, because there was a bit more wind at night time. So that's what happens. But, of course, there's no artificial light. It would be pretty dark. It would also be uh, an occasion where other people do it together. Uh, You wouldn't do it on your own. There'd be kind of other local farmers and things working together. Uh, and so that's when she says, Naomi says, take note of where he lies because there will be multiple people there. Uh, she could go up to the wrong person. And so uh, Ruth is to go there, uh, dressed up nice, smelling nice, clean nice, lie down and effectively uh, offer herself to Boaz. Uh, that's Naomi's plan. I mean, it, it just doesn't strike you as sage advice to give to a young woman. Unless you know the man. Because that's what happens. Uh, Ruth comes. She does exactly as Naomi says. She lies down at the bottom, uncovers his feet. Uh, Boaz wakes up. And the moment of danger, I guess, is that point. Uh, Boaz says, who is that? Because he can't see it's dark. Uh, and she says, your servant Ruth. And notice she didn't say, uh, I'm a Moabite, like she has before. She doesn't say, uh, I'm a widow, like she has before. She says, your servant Ruth. Uh, but she actually adds in something else that Naomi didn't tell her to say. Uh, she says, Verse 9, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. And so at this moment, Boaz has, has Ruth effectively in his hand. He, he could do whatever he wanted, really. Uh, some would say this was a... a it could be an offer of, of physical relationship. But really, actually, it's not that. It's far more than that. It's really uh, Ruth saying to Boaz, will you extend your protection over me? Will you marry me, really? And at that moment, Boaz has Ruth in his hand. What will he do? 
Well, he'll do the thing that Boaz always does. The right thing. The right thing. Uh, he, he will look after Ruth. He says, uh, verse 10, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people in the town know that you are a woman of noble character. He says, I will do the right thing. But you are somebody who has done the right thing as well. You've not gone after younger, better-looking people. You've not kind of gone out for yourself, those who may be richer or even poorer. No, you've done the right thing. You've sought to to do what your mother-in-law says, to look out for your family. And so I, too, will do uh, the right thing. And there's never a doubt in Boaz that he'll do that. Even to the point of him actually saying, the right thing here is to actually offer there's somebody else who's actually a closer relative of yours. Somebody else who has the right to marry you first. The, the right thing is not to, kind of, to jump aboard and, and me to take that. Actually, the right thing is to offer that person the opportunity first. And that's what I'm going to do. But the right thing then is if they won't do it, I absolutely will. And then he, uh, he sends off, and the morning comes, he says, later till morning, he, and he sends off uh, Ruth again with, with a sackload of provisions. And, and not just for Ruth, but actually, do you notice verse 17? Uh, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. He sends them for the whole family. He has concern not just for Ruth, but Naomi uh, as well. Uh, He really is a great redeemer who cares for the whole family. Uh, And then we get verse 18. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled. And so we're like, well, what, what's going to happen? This is the story at a, at a high point, the tension, we're moving along. We've, we've had the kind of the tragedy of, of chapter one. Uh, we, we've had the kind of the, 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 the getting to know stage of chapter two. And now chapter three, we have that moment when it seems like things are going and then we're just going to stop. Come back next week to find out what happens. And that's what the story is. It's a story that's bringing us in. What will happen? So what then are we, what are we to, to make of this, these two chapters? What are the, the lessons learned for us? Well, here's the, the first thing, I think. It, it's to act. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, as I mentioned, the, the Lord is, is not explicitly mentioned in the, in the whole book. But yet his quiet hand is, is evident throughout it. His hand that brought the famine. 
his hand that brought the harvest, his hand that led Ruth to, as it turned out, be in the field of Boaz. There there are provinces all around. But yet at no point does any character say, the Lord is sovereign, I'm going to sit back and wait for him to act. At no point does Ruth say, the the Lord is sovereign, he will provide me a husband. Or or at no point does Boaz say, the Lord is sovereign, he'll provide for you. No, in the story, Ruth and Boaz are an example of somebody who lives their life under the sovereignty of God. What do I mean by that? Well, when I say the sovereignty of God, I mean that God will accomplish his purposes. He will. And there's nothing that you or I can do to to stop that or derail that. And that's a really good thing because he's a really good God. Uh, But now he he calls us to to follow him, to live our lives uh, in light of that. So you can go and have whatever job you want. You can live wherever you like. As long as you live for him. There's a great deal of freedom. You can go and take a risk for the gospel. To say uh, something to somebody, to do something for the gospel. Because the Lord is sovereign. Being a Christian is not sort of passively sitting back saying, I'll just wait for the Lord. It's saying the Lord is sovereign, therefore I will act. Uh, Kevin DeYoung, uh, an American pastor, uh, has written a book called Just Do Something. And he says this in it. He says, uh, God's will for your life is not very complicated. Obviously, living a Christ-like life is hard work. And what following Jesus entails is not clear in every situation. But as an overarching principle, the will of God for your life is pretty straightforward. Be holy like Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. God's sovereign. Live for him. Act for him. But then secondly, in light of that sovereignty, copy Ruth and Boaz. Be like Ruth and Boaz. At every moment, at every point in this story, they make the right call. They do the right thing. Ruth adorns herself with humility, filled with compassion and loyalty. She's gentle She's other person-centered. She works hard and is not self-promoting. Boaz is somebody who uh, exemplifies the the, the true uh, Israelite ethic that we see in Micah 6, verse 8. Where Micah says, uh, Micah writes, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and and what does the Lord require of you? Here it is. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with, you, with your God. That's Boaz. That's exactly what he does. You see, the story of Ruth and Boaz, I think, is beautiful. I think it is a, a beautiful uh, love story, not because they're necessarily physically attractive. 
probably saying like Boaz. Because he said, you know, you didn't go to younger people. But it, they're beautiful. it's beautiful because of their characters are beautiful. We can't help but be attracted to them as people because of what they're like. Their character makes a difference. And it may be that actually the only way this world sees anything of the goodness of God is in each of us, is the way that we hold ourselves and carry out our lives. We need to copy Ruth and Boaz to be like them. And if you want to be really brave, uh, you could perhaps ask a, a sibling, a parent, uh, a spouse, a boss, an employee, what you're like. Get their feedback. Because we want to be like Ruth, be like Boaz. But then lastly, we want to take refuge. Uh, Boaz uh, commends Ruth in 2.12 for, for taking refuge in the Lord. Uh, Ruth asks Boaz in 3.9 to, to spread his wings uh, over her. Uh, two beautiful pictures. Uh, first, that picture of uh, sheltering under the Lord's wings. It's a wonderful picture of what it means to take refuge in the Lord, to be cared for and protected. Today is Mother's Day, and we're all going to have different experiences of that. But the picture we have this morning is of one who perfectly covers us with his wing, who tenderly loves us, so that today, if, if we are finding today really hard, we have one who just says, come under my wing. I will always be there. I will always love and care for you. It's a beautiful picture. It's a surprising picture. But this is our God. This is what he's like. A tender, compassionate, caring one who covers with his protection and his love. But secondly, we have Ruth saying, cover me with your garment. Now, don't um, mishear me. Uh, This isn't Ruth demanding, saying, you owe me. Uh, This is Ruth saying, I have nothing, nothing. You have everything. I'm not worthy to be covered by you, but I'm asking you. because I know what you're like. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, writing in Romans, quoting uh, the prophet Joel, says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to, to spread his garment over them will be saved. So this morning, whoever you are, Whatever you've done, if you call upon the Lord, if you say, Lord, will you spread your garment over me? 
I have nothing to bring you, only my sin. You have everything. But if you call upon him, he will, because that is who he is, he will cover you. Ruth 2 and 3 is a beautiful love story. A beautiful love story. Because it points us forward to the greatest love story. And the message of Ruth 2 and 3 says, you're invited. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful story. Father, we pray that you may both help us to to imitate Ruth and Boaz, to be like them. But also to take refuge in you. Father, may you help us to do that each day. For your glory and our good, we pray. Amen.